0: So Alex, I have completely reframed my fitness goals for the year.
1: Oh, what prompted that?
0: Well, a couple of things. Mainly, I dropped out of the half marathon that I was going to do in Hawaii for a lot of reasons. Mainly, I haven't really had the time to train properly. But also, I just feel like I need a break from endurance running. I need to do something different. So I'm going to focus on boxing and I'm going to try trail running.
1: Yeah, all right, getting on the trail running tip. I ran 7.2 miles yesterday on the road because all the trails have been closed for weeks and my joints feel miserable. Oh no. So,
0: what? That's not encouraging. That's not that's not no, motivating me. Because I have
1: because I wasn't running on the trail because I ran oh, on the road. Okay. I don't know how you do that. It, I just I didn't even sleep well last night. So Wow. Well, yeah, we're going to
0: try try something different.
1: I love it. I love the reframing. I love the trail running, the boxing. I'm excited to see where this goes.
0: Me too. Welcome to Practically Fit, real fitness over 40. I'm Jen Chamberlain. And I'm Alex Johnson. And today, we're going to talk about supplements. Are they worth it, or are you just flushing money down the toilet, quite literally? Um, we'll talk about what's worked for us, and then we'll offer some practical tips for figuring out what might work best for you.
1: Okay, I hadn't thought about it, like, literally flushing money down the toilet. That's pretty funny.
0: That's,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. If you didn't get that on the first uh, go there, that's a funny joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I it, I think this is a topic worth discussing Um, I became really aware of supplements in the early 2000s and, you know, fitness magazines and things like that where every other page was a special advertisement for some kind of crazy supplement. Oh, yeah. And the supplement industry is massive in the United States. Right. I was talking with my wife about this earlier and, you know, kind of the the difference between here and the UK and how, you know, yes, they have supplements there, but um, people don't take so many of them (laughs) as compared to Americans. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting to uh, think about this industry in general Mm -hmm. and. Before we talk about our own takes on supplements, we wanted to look at the science. For this particular topic, we thought it was important to look at more recent studies since the supplement industry has changed a lot over time.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right, Alex. So uh, my parents were actually big into supplements and health foods back in the 1970s. I can still remember the distinctive smell of health food stores. <laughs> it, yeah. it had a very What did they dis- smell like? I don't know, like brewer's yeast and granola? <laughs>
1: Oh, I was just because I don't I don't remember the nineteen seventies because yeah. I was in
0: a lot. Yeah. It was big. It was a big thing in the nineteen seventies. Uh yes, I know Alex, you weren't quite around back then, but I was. <laughs> and um I would say things have changed a lot. In general, there seems to have been a shift more from health food to supplements in pill form. I'm not sure that's necessarily a positive. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that. But what did you find out, Alex?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that's a positive either, um, so, and we'll talk more, like you said. But Let's talk about a 2021 article from the Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health titled, Dietary Supplements, For Whom? The Current State of Knowledge About the Health Effects of Selected Supplement Use. So this article takes a broad view of supplements and honestly doesn't have a lot of good things to say about their benefits, so I'll just you know hit a few of the highlights. It makes the interesting point that the widespread use of supplements may stem from the conviction that preparation looks that looks like a drug must have therapeutic properties. So just this idea for consumers that like, oh, this looks like it would be beneficial to me, so I need to take it.
0: Exactly. Like it's a pill. And, you know, I think particularly here in America, we have this idea that there's a pill for everything. Right. That's the panacea. Right.
1: Right. The literature also shows that the taking of vitamin and mineral supplements by healthy people neither lowers their risk of cardiovascular diseases nor prevents the development of malignancies, so cancer. Uh, So again, that's not a positive point in favor of supplements. Uh, Many scientific societies recognize that omega-3 fatty acids lower blood triglycerides, but whether taking them prevents heart disease is less clear cut. So that's a common form of supplements, the omega-3s.
0: Right, right, Um, right.
1: Taking weight loss supplements is not an effective method of fighting obesity. this paper finds. And sometimes supplements are being sold illegally, which is then also associated with the higher risk that they may be adulterated with banned substances thus making them even more dangerous and potentially life-threatening. So please don't buy your, su- your supplements <laughs> illegally. Right. Um, the, w- the one thing that does say that I think is sort of positive is that they're necessary in cases of nutrient deficiency. So, you know, I remember my dad took iron supplements for a while. But even though a prescription is not required there, you should be recommended and monitored by a physician.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's some heavy reading there. Uh, it's really interesting. I've actually been reading a lot about how some supplements can be contaminated with all kinds of substances because they're not highly regulated like um, foods and drugs are here in the United States. So I think that's definitely something to consider. But on the more positive side, I found an article that talks about supplements as they relate to endurance athletes in particular. So I was you know curious about this since I do some distance running. Um, this one was published in the journal Nutrients and was titled Ooh. Nutrition and Supplement Update for Endurance Athlete review and recommendations it's a long article but fortunately it was free so i was able You didn't to have to pay it. 300 dollars for right. this article right <laughs> exactly yeah. just the time spent combing through it. But um, a few of the key conclusions from that paper, they have a pretty broad lens for supplements. So they look at both food and diet, and then also, you know, specifically supplements. So they found that um, high carbohydrate diets have been long tested and proved beneficial for endurance athletes. So hello, carbo loading. But interestingly, they say that athletes should maybe pay a little more attention to protein, particularly after workouts to help with um, recovery. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I think in the running community, we're all about the carbo load, but we don't think as much about recovery afterward. Right. They talk about hydration and you and I have talked about water consumption and written about it. So the thinking now is more like drinking to your thirst and sweat rates versus uh, a prescribed amount of you know, liquid in- intake. Right. Um, They did find some supplements could potentially be beneficial, particularly the endurance to elite athletes. Um, Nitrates, they found, could maybe reduce oxygen costs and perhaps even increase VO2 max. Um, But the studies were mixed when it came to just non-elite recreational athletes like you and I, Alex. So I don't know if I'm going to go down that road. Um, They also found that antioxidants might help an athlete who's already kind of in peak training, but again, needing more help with the recovery side of that. And best of all, they found that caffeine has a very large body of research behind its ergogenic effects, which that's the first time I saw that term, but it means like fatigue fighting, basically, basically makes you feel more energetic, like who didn't know that. But side effects are the limiting factor, you know, it, it can have some GI issues, and then also like, just make you feel a little too hyped up I guess. And yeah, if found- <laughs> I I accept
1: the GI issues of, of coffee, oh, I yes. just I just yeah. readily accept it.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, say it's worth it. And then um you know, we've talked about probiotics and they said there's just not a lot of quality research on probiotics yet for athletes, but that it's possible that um, some of these supplements might help folks with GI issues. So that's on the positive side.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about supplements for GI issues here in a bit. Spoiler. But I want to I want to make one more point about supplements, and I kind of want to go back to something that you mentioned, uh, which is that these are lightly regulated substances. So regardless of your thoughts on the prescription drug industry, which is a hot-button topic for Americans, we know one thing about prescription medications is that they are highly regulated by the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. So drugs have gone through rounds of clinical trials before they ever get out onto the market. Again, putting aside your feelings about prescription medication, there is a pretty high level of regulation around those uh, drugs. Supplements, no regulation. So technically, the FDA is responsible for supplements, but they classify supplements as food products and not medicine. So there's no safety review of these products before they hit the market. So even if you aren't buying your supplements illegally, there could be some danger there, could there not, Jen?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been reading a lot about this recently. I I guess it's always been an issue, but it's just come to attention a little bit more. And so, you know, I think it's it's really important – and this is kind of one of my practical tips, I think it's very important to look at the source of your supplements. Make sure it's like a well-recognized brand that's been around for a long time. That's still no guarantee, but at least um, you're playing it a little bit safer on that. But yeah, it's it's a big issue, and there really is no regulation. You'll find on supplement labels that they say that quite clearly, that they're not you know, regulated by the FDA as drugs.
1: So Yeah, and actually, as we were researching this, I did see someone saying that they're Are a couple of bodies that will certify supplements. So similar like organic foods, um, if you look for these on the label, you know it's a high-quality product. Now off the top of my head, I don't remember what those were, but you can go look that up online. So there are some regulating bodies that are outside of the government um, who will put their labels on to certain supplements.
0: Absolutely. So that covers a little bit of the science, but let's talk about our own experiences with supplements. Alex, do you take supplements and do you think they improve your overall health and fitness?
1: Yeah. So I do take supplements. I do think certain supplements have some benefits for me. So, but let's talk about that because I think you have to really look at this from an aging perspective. My supplementation regimen has changed a lot over time. When I was younger. Uh, it was really focused on strength training. And so actually I might even write a newsletter post about this soon for those who don't listen to the podcast, because, um, I think these are some funny stories. Uh, so, so I'll Let's never, hear for- it. oh yeah, <laughs> I'll never forget my first experience with creatine. Uh, so this is, this is, uh, with my, one of my best friends, uh, Justin Landry and, we were freshmen in college and we heard about a new type of creatine because normally creatine was a powder. Uh, and by the way, creatine is something that's found naturally in your muscles. It's in beef as well. Like you can get it through eating steak, but it helps with muscle recovery. So the theory around creatine supplementation is that it helps your muscles recover more quickly. And to the point where you're like, oh, I could get like an extra rep or two on these uh, heavy weightlifting workouts. At least that's the idea that is marketed to you by these companies. Again, going back to that time, we were reading all these fitness magazines like Men's Health and Muscle and Fitness and things. And they were just laden with these advertisements and reviews. So we heard about this new type of creatine. It wasn't a powder. It was a liquid. And supposedly it worked better because it was instantly instantly absorbed into the bloodstream (laughs) okay immediate and i gotta tell you the price reflected that effectiveness this was uh like 2000 it was 50 dollars for this tiny bottle oh wow we're in college so landry and i decided well we'll split this and we're the only ones who will be able to use this nectar and so i remember the day vividly we went to (laughs) A GNC locally there to purchase the product in Round Rock, Texas. (laughs) We entered the store and we saw like this stuff was so valuable. It was not just out on the shelf. No, no, no. It was behind glass in this little tiny cabinet. That, you know, we knew then it was like, oh, this is super potent. Oh, exactly. This is amazing. This is a great purchase. So uh, huge gains coming here. We're like two little kids. We're watching, just gazing like the kid on A Christmas Story when he's looking at the Red Rider BB <laughs> right. gun and the guy unlocks the the glass case and pulled it out for us to look at and it was just like yes so we purchased this and like immediately we're like okay time to go to the gym like we couldn't wait <laughs> and you know so we took the dose and it was a little dropper it was like mm-hmm. 10 drops each and it just tasted like cherry cough syrup but we're both <laughs> of course like Getting the placebo effect. We're like, yes, I feel oh, like. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's, let's go. No, I'm pretty sure I got an extra rep on the bench. I'm, I'm like, it's <laughs> right. like, and we told our friends about it, and they're like, really wanting to try it out. We're like, you get your own. Like, this stuff's expensive. So we like hid this <laughs> stuff away. We wouldn't like, we were the Stash. only ones who could take it. And you know, after a few months, it's like, well, I don't really think this is doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, actually, um, there's science behind the placebo effect. Like it's real. Like some of it is just your mental, you know, like you think it's going to help. And so you're more amped up about it. Right. So it could have been some of that.
1: Yeah. And I swore that was the last time I was going to buy that expensive stuff. But then like two years later, we we got talked into another one and it was a creatine. It was a type of creatine Uh, and it was not just creatine. It had amino acids and a whole bunch of other stuff. It was called okay. cell <laughs> I have no idea what was in this stuff. So the worst part about this stuff was the quote unquote loading phase. And so that for this to get like maxi- maximum effectiveness of the CellTech, you had to drink it once every morning, once after lifting on the days you worked out. So th- that means, you know, several days a week, you were drinking it twice a day. So after the loading phase, you would only take it once a day, either in the morning or after a weight workout. This stuff by far was the worst tasting <laughs> thing I have ever drank. And I mean, honestly, not like, oh, it tasted bad. Like, it t- it tasted like noxious, like it tasted, <laughs> as I would imagine, battery acid Would
0: taste (laughs) like something you shouldn't be putting in your body. Yes, like it's
1: it tasted like you're just drinking like toxic chemicals and we're like, Ooh, this (laughs) must be good. Yeah, it's grape flavor. Oh it was horrible. I mean, to the point where you wanted to vomit when you drank it. And I do remember the first time we took it again we had this ridiculous kickboxing class we were in, not, not a weight workout. It was, uh, you had to take, you know, physical education classes to get your degree. And so we were all in this kickboxing class and we had thought it was going to be like cool kickboxing, like those movies, but it was actually aerobic kickboxing. Oh,
0: that was big back then. Yeah. That was
1: not cool for us. (laughs) Uh, and so we were joking around most of the time, but those, those workouts are really hard to get through. And I remember we were not making it through the workouts. And then the day we took this stuff, it was like, Oh, I've got so much energy. Like I made it through the workout. Uh, Yeah. It's, but, uh, again, you know, kept that up for about three weeks and I was just like, I couldn't drink it anymore. It was so bad. It was, it made me feel sick. So, um, my point being here, like these are the types of things you do maybe when you're younger because you think you're going to get these big muscle gains, but really, I don't think there's a lot of benefit there.
0: I'm going to posit that one of the key ingredients was either caffeine or some kind of stimulant. Because oh, they yeah. Were also Based on the kickboxing and, yeah, experience.
1: Had to exactly. be. And, you know, too dumb to read the label here, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty horrendous. So fast forward to, you know, age 41. Uh, and these days, uh, my supplementation is not like that. It's, um, you know, we talked about, we had our podcast about gut health issues. So, uh, that's right. like where the majority of my supplements are focused. So I take a probiotic every day. Um, I also take another gut supplement that I've been doing recently. Uh, it's a powder and it really is it's like to calm your gut. It has like glutamine and things like slippery elm bark and quercetin. These are all things that are calming for the gut and i found it you know it it helps with you know suppressing gas yeah. and things like that i found it helps counteract the other supplement <laughs> that i am instructed to take by my doctor which is metamucil yes so mm. i just take fiber um So those are kind of like my gut health. That's where (laughs) most of my supplement is focused. Supplementation is focused these days. See what I mean about as you get older, I also take a multivitamin. Now Mm -hmm. we know like jury's out if that's beneficial, but my thought on that is like, I eat a pretty healthy diet. It can't really hurt me. Uh, And if anything is excessive, it's just removed through natural processes. Mm -hmm. And the one other thing I take is zinc. And I take a pretty high dose of zinc. I started that during the pandemic. It could be a placebo thing that makes me feel better about not Hmm. getting sick. I have a pretty good immune system. I haven't been really sick in, gosh, two years now since I had COVID. So um, I'm going to say the zinc is good. You know, it's it's. uh, I think it could be beneficial. So those are the supplements I take these days, a lot different than when I was younger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the story about your younger experimentation with supplements. I think that's really <laughs> insightful. And it makes sense that you would concentrate a lot on probiotics because that's sort of in your family history too. Um, so that makes sense. Right, and, uh, right.
1: What about you, Jen? What what's your supplement routine?
0: Yeah. So I take five supplements a day. Um and for all of Mostly for very different reasons. Um, I take B twelve because I'm mostly vegan, and that was actually recommended by a doctor because you don't always get enough B twelve on a plant, a fully plant based diet. I take calcium and vitamin D, also doctor recommended. Um, Most women my age are recommended to take calcium and vitamin D to help prevent bone loss, like I've talked about many times in the program. Also, there's some evidence that it could possibly reduce a breast cancer risk as well. And I'm all for that since that's also in my family history.
1: So if you're, um, so on those, I just have a question like, could you, do you get enough in a multivitamin or do you, does the doctor recommend taking those separately for like a higher dose?
0: Uh, separately for higher dose, because sometimes the multivitamins don't quite have as much as you might need of those two. And because I already take B12 and calcium, I don't take a multivitamin because I figure I'm getting the rest in my food, I hope at least. Um, I also take my most sort of, I guess, fringy one is maca, which is supposed to help with some specific symptoms of menopause, also boost energy. I think the jury's out on whether it's beneficial, but I actually like the taste. So I just put some powder in my um, smoothie every morning. It's like not that big of a deal.
1: How long have you been taking that?
0: Uh, I guess I've been taking that for about the past year or so.
1: Oh, okay. So you've got a bit of a sample size there Yeah. The exactly. still yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. kind of how I feel about my gut health supplement. I told you, yeah. like, I, I think it helps, but you know, it's, I don't see any harm there.
0: Right, same. I don't see any harm in it either. And it tastes good. (laughs) And it tastes good. And then the last one I take is the most unusual. It's called NAC, which stands for N-acetylcysteine. And um, interestingly, I have a little bit, uh, well, it's not interesting that I have this, but the remedy is interesting. I have a little bit of um, OCD or that sort of obsessive rumination that we talked about on the mental health podcast. And there's actually been legit research done that this particular supplement helps folks with OCD so oh, I started taking this at the dose recommended I talked to my doctor they said it's not harmful and you know if this research supports it why not give it a try and I've really really seen the benefits it's also an antioxidant so even if it didn't help with that it's still you know helpful with ant- being an antioxidant but it has really made a difference in terms of that ruminative thinking so it's just amazing sometimes what certain chemicals can do in terms of like your brain chemistry, that sort of mind body connection, you know? So, so that's my routine right now.
1: Yeah. All very legit stuff. It doesn't seem like you're doing anything that's uh, not been sanctioned by the doctor, which I think is kind of a lead into the tips, right? So yeah, I just have two simple tips and you mentioned this before, and I just kind of referenced it. Number one, consult a doctor. Mm, if yeah. you're going to try new supplements as you're aging, I think the main thing is to make sure they don't have any like contradictions, um, with your, like if you're on prescription medication, um, so, and if you don't want to talk to your doctor about it, at least look it up on one of those websites that checks prescription medications interactions, because you can put supplements into there as well. And those work really well. Um, a good example I have of one, you mentioned you like the NAC cysteine. I actually for a while did try the CBD oil and I found that for anxiety, it was quite helpful to me, but then I got diagnosed with high blood pressure and, um, the CBD oil is, um, you can't take it with the same blood pressure medication that I had because they both go through the same channel in your body and and mess things up. So yeah, I, I stopped taking that because of the medicine you know it's, it's the same as like you can't have grapefruit on certain medications right so right always either consult a doctor or at the very least look this stuff up on the internet to make sure you're not taking two things that have um, strong interactions with each other because that is possible but I think the other tip is just consider your diet first you want better performance on your workout do you really need super workout exploder you know whatever pre-workout supplement why don't you just have a cup of coffee like right you know again that like you said caffeine (laughs) does improve workout performance but there's no reason to take a bunch of put a bunch of like chemicals in your body when you could have something natural just like a cup of coffee or tea or whatever even like Fish or flaxseed oil, you talked about the omega, or we talked about the omega 3s earlier. We know those can be beneficial for brain functioning, but rather than taking a pill for it, um, you could just eat more fish or add flaxseed to your smoothies if you have smoothies, like just some examples, or on top of your oatmeal or cereal or whatever. So um, there's different ways you can work these things into your diet without having to spend a bunch of money on pills. So I just, I would prioritize diet over supplementation. Then if it's not working, then you look at the supplements like I've done with my gut, for example. So Jen, what about you? What are some practical tips that you have?
0: Yeah, Alex, I really, really like that last one. I think diet should be your first line of defense. And that's really what I try to keep in mind. I try to, you need a a really healthy diet for most of the time, as we said, you know, maybe not a hundred percent of the time mixing in some treat days here and there. But I do try to focus on diet first and um, getting a wide range of nutrients, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, and then just filling in specific gaps like the ones I mentioned with calcium and that sort of I do take vitamin C sometimes, like you were saying with the zinc, particularly if it's like cold season, I'll take some vitamin C to boost my immune system a little bit. I forgot that one. But yeah, I think food is food is your first line of defense. Supplements would be like Insurance and/or if your doctor recommends them. If you are interested in taking supplements, I would say you know don't break the budget. There's actually there's good sources of um, supplements. You know you can find on online. I wouldn't go for like you were saying the super workout explode. A lot of those are just sort of marketing gimmicks, right? Um, right. So do some research before you spend a lot of money on supplementation.
1: Yeah, even within, if you're at, uh, you know, the grocery store or the drugstore, store and you're looking for, like, simple vitamins, I mean, there's a range now of price points for vitamins. Yes. And you have to believe that some of these more expensive vitamins, for example, are supplements, even within the same, you know, it could be the same, okay, zinc is a great example of that, right? Yeah. Like, Why do you need to spend $20 on zinc when you could spend $7 on it? I mean, there can't be that big a difference, right? right? And some of these things, like you said, are just marketing the way they package the supplements. So, yeah, definitely don't break the budget if you don't have to.
0: Absolutely. And then I think my last tip would be to give them, you know, enough time to see if they work, but with a critical eye. So with the NAC, for example, I made sure and gave it a nice long trial because, you know, a month taking it regularly. Because I think some of these things, it does take a while to, you know, have the, the amount in your system that would show a benefit. And then I took some time off and found that the benefits were reversed. And then I knew that it was really working for me. And I wasn't just wasting my money, which this is also a very inexpensive supplement. But I think you need to give it a, a bit of a trial and then, you know, be critical and see, you know, is it really working? Or is it that placebo effect? Or, you know, the other things we talked about. So those are my top tips.
1: Yeah, that's that's great advice. And I can tell you with the fiber, I've tried it without it. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, I it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, no, let me ask you one last question okay. about supplements. This could be a hot button Uh-oh. issue. How do you feel about adult gummies?
0: <laughs> adult gummies. Uh, are you talking about the like the kind they sell in California?
1: No. Oh. <laughs> I am not. I'm talking about the idiocracy that has occurred in our vitamin aisles so you can tell how i feel about this
0: (laughs) clearly the difference between california and texas yeah no
1: i'm just talking about vitamins (laughs) i'm not talking about that
0: yeah no i think it's just a way to charge more for them and exactly why does your vitamin have to taste good we all know how to swallow pills and and i've
1: actually (laughs) tried some of these we've tried some of them and then i started looking at the the label on it i'm like why do i need vitamins with added sugar like
0: right we're not five
1: just give me a (laughs) pill (laughs)
0: that's crazy like we
1: talk about the amount of sugar in our diets and here we are eating gummies when we could just take a yeah and artificial
0: coloring and like it makes no sense whatsoever and it's all marketing too it's like
1: (laughs) this one is for sleep and this one yeah oh no
0: it's all marketing that's funny i'm glad you brought that up well, that wraps it up for our episode on supplements. We dug into a little bit of science and talked about how we use them. would love to hear from you how you do or don't use supplements, any practical tips you have. Feel free to weigh in on the comments or email alex at, alex at fit. And what's up for us next time, Alex?
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about heart rate. So I think okay. this is an exciting subject. So what is your heart rate telling you? Why should you monitor your heart rate? I remember for a long time, I didn't even actually proactively avoided my heart rate when I was Mm -hmm. doing half marathon training, which probably in hindsight, I shouldn't have been doing that. So I think this is a really interesting subject. Of course, you can fold in this idea of wearables now that are so prominent in terms of looking at things like heart rate and other measures, but
0: we're going to talk about heart rate next week. I can't wait to get into this.
1: All right. Well, until then, head on over to practically.fit if you haven't subscribed to the newsletter and subscribe. We really appreciate it. We're re- releasing great content weekly. As Jen mentioned, you can comment on the podcast if you would like to share your thoughts. And of course, email me, Alex at practically.fit if you've got stories or other ideas for the podcast. But until next week, remember,
0: fitness is for everybody.